but look at this bitch. Feels good to be back. So you look really dapper right now. Yeah, man, I took a shower and everything. That's amazing. Finally. Is that coffee or water or bourbon? A bourbon. Oh my God, we're back at two legitimate podcasts with Wide and Brian. It's been a little bit of time, I think, right? I think it's been since uh, 2021, bud. <laughs> it feels like not a day's gone by, though, right? <laughs> it, it it hasn't. Tell time is weird. Post pandemic, uh, time is weird. Time is relative, right? I mean, I've heard some people say that. I don't know what what does that mean. Um, so it's in relation to you. <laughs> we're getting into astrophysics talk right now. Where we're talking about Einstein's theory of relativity. We're really going to we're jumping right into the deep end of the pool, starting this thing back in. Right? We are. We are. We are. So two legitimate podcasts. We started during the pandemic because Wade's in Seattle. I'm in Dallas. We've been friends since the year 2000. Um, where Wade was my RA at Kansas in the dorm and we bonded over movies and other things and we just became friends. I was a mere freshman. I was a young little ripe flower. He was a a sweet little lass. It was corruptible. (laughs) And he was just a sweet young man, and and I was just a hardened, grizzled old man at that point in my senior year, my fifth year senior year. Yeah, (laughs) my fifth year senior victory lap, right? Well, it's like I had the whole thing set up where I didn't have enough credits to graduate, so I had to do like another, you know, ten. So I was like, well, I want to do the whole thing, so I just ended up doing an extra year. Yeah, there you go. Thank God, because you met me. I mean, it's like I met my hetero life mate. And then here we are. Here we are. We we've been through a lot together. We we've been through shitty movies. We've been through film festivals. We've been through podcasts. We've been through traveling together. We went to Vegas together. It's uh we did some things. I almost killed Wade a couple times. <laughs> with death. He's, he's tried to abandon me at an airport in the middle of Texas before this son of a bitch where I'm just stranded in Austin, and I don't know where I'm at and where I'm supposed to go. And he's like, hey, you'll figure it out. He just takes off on me. What kind of host <laughs> is that? He's the sweetest boy and sometimes can be just a right-down jerk. If you can't keep up, you can't keep up. <laughs> That's well, on you. I got to run faster. It's like, well, relying on you is part of my problem, too. <laughs> right, right. And so we started this podcast where we where we talk about certain topics related, not just to lifestyle, but the entertainment industry and movies, because we have lots to say. Um, and then, you know, we just, we got in a rut. You know, you said some things. I said some things. It was mainly you. It was mainly you. <laughs> yeah. No, there was a lot of life that happened too, right? Like, you know, the last couple of years has been, there's been some real ups, some real downs. And, you know, overall, a lot's happened. And I'm sure it's happened with everybody, right? And then it's kind of, it's not, 
you know what the fun part about this podcast and in general is these are conversations we would have regardless of whether or not this is being recorded right now. <laughs> right. right. He doesn't get all well quaffed and showered for the normal conversations, but he's looking damn good. Well, you're looking pretty dapper yourself, sir. I mean, I'm loving it. This casual chic you got going on, freshly shorn. Like my, my casual chic Roman god type of thing. Down from a mountain and just drizzled with exotic oils and ready to eat <laughs> succulent meats. Ooh, succulent meats. That's with a good... the, like the juices dribble down your chin. Hey. It's like grapes, just getting fed grapes. And that's what that's what you're looking like right now. It's, a, it's an Adonis thing. It's good. It's really good. And so the last time you probably saw two legitimate podcasts, um, I had a different background, you know, the, the the studio is coming to shape. I've got, you know, Army of Darkness. I've got Chris Farley right here. Um, oh, I thought that was me. That, well, I thought you had a picture of me up there. I mean, it's basically you, right? Oh, no. Chris Farley. I can't hold a candle to that. I just, handsome. Handsome. Handsome, handsome men. Um, and then also on this Two Legitimate podcast, as of very recently, uh, I started doing movie reviews with uh, a friend who's gotten into the film critic arena and she's, I think she's really liking it. Her name is Allie Wanzer and she's really cool. We're having a good time. I saw that and it was awesome. She's great. She's better than both of us. I don't know why. Let's just hand the reins over and just have this kind of go. I was like, are you moving on? And then I, when I saw it, I was like, are you moving on from me? Are we broken up now? And then I saw what you were bringing to the table. And I was just like, oh, shit. Well, yeah, no, you should move on. That's much better. Yeah. <laughs> that's just much, much better. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're bringing too legitimate back because we're always been too legitimate. I had pencils made, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a thing, right? <laughs> business cards where I was handing everybody a business card telling them I'm a legitimate businessman now. Yeah. We're legitimate. Well, well, we're not just legitimate. We're too legitimate. Yeah. No, it's it's almost too legitimate. I mean, it, it, it's shockingly legitimate. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. We are. So uh, those first several episodes Wade and I did in 2021, um, we usually started off our shows with a drink. Like we would make a specific cocktail, a beer, a wine, but we wanted to make it. We wanted to show you how to make it and how good it could be. Uh, and just like we would, we, when we would try to just basically a chance for us to get drunk together on camera. Um, but you know, wide is in Seattle, Washington. So he's two hours before I am. So I'm always constantly trying to get him to do this in the morning. He's like, dude, I can't be drinking cocktails at eight in the morning. I was like, why not? <laughs> well, because I have a family, one. But two, it's like there's one episode we have where I don't remember the ending of that episode. I remember <laughs> the beginning and having a few of these. But then it, I, I must have kept refilling the glass there. It was a rum episode. And I just know that at the end of it, I didn't know what was going on. So we got it was a funky rum episode. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a fun one i mean if anybody wants to go back and listen just know by the end of that i might be in kind of a brownout phase where i don't know what's happening anymore so yeah i'm sure i'm sure i can be able to find the video of that because watching wade because wade is so amped up at the beginning of that episode and by the end you kind of can't understand him and he's almost just like man i've been through the ringer for the last hour <laughs> Uh, well, and, you know, I was really kind of harboring my inner sort of 
Cuban sort of vibe of wanting to just sit on the beach and smoke cigars and have like just rum drink, you know, not rum cocktails, just straight rum in a glass with a cigar on the beach somewhere. And so I was really channeling that and feeling that moment through. Uh, well, because you built an actual tiki lounge in your house, like it's got like the grass and like the tiki walls and everything, right? Real vibe. Yeah. It's one of those where it started during, again during the pandemic, but it was one of those where when you couldn't go anywhere, I needed to find a place to escape from the craziness. So I had, you know, a three-year-old at the time and all that stuff. And so I uh, ended up building that little room and I could just kind of draw the curtains and put on some hula music and just kind of vibe out for, you know, 30 minutes. And it felt like a little bit of escape. It was awesome. That's good. That's good. Uh, so since right now it's like 9.45 a.m. in Seattle and I did, was not uh, good enough to talk Wade into drinking liquor with me at the moment. <laughs> I'm not a good enough partner. Let's just call it what it is. Call it out. You're an asshole. <laughs> um, so we had a, another better idea um, to do snacks. So the idea was to go to your local gas station, your local 7-Eleven, go in there and find a really weird snack or candy that you normally wouldn't eat or you want to share with the world. So we're going to try it uh, for you on the air, tell you how it is. And maybe you can go out to 7-Eleven, maybe you can go out to your local gas station. Like, hey, what do I got? So wide. I'm uh, very excited of uh, what you have in store. First off, are you excited about the snacks rather than the alcohol? I'm excited about the snacks. I still think that the drinks thing will be fun, but I'm super excited about the snacks thing here because I'm confident that that I got something really weird that you haven't heard of. I'm I'm, I'm excited. Uh, so Wade, first, where did you go? What was the place? And what'd you pick up? So in the end here, I I was trying to go. I went to like the local gas station stuff, and I saw the talkies and all the other stuff, and I was just like, you know that wanted to try and go deeper so i found this random store that uh that kind of had like some international foods and stuff like that and i found he had to go deeper folks he had to he was it was like inception basically he had to go deeper yeah it's like I, I you know i wanted to go to the dream under the dream and so i ended up finding here this from russia Something called like Kamchatka or something. What is that? It's all in Russian, so it's really hard to tell. It's got a blue monster on it. That packaging is unbelievably cool. As far as I can tell, it's some sort of crab chip. I don't know. There's a little crab on here. And so I think it's crab flavored crackers of some sort or chips or something like that. All right. What's a crab chip? Is it like, like is this like a chip that's flavored like crab, or is it like actually like a piece of crab that's deep fried? I have no idea. And the what are the ingredients, are, by the way? I don't know. Let me see. Oh, they do have a sticker on here that has the ingredients in English. I'll have to take a picture and look. I'm going to send it. We'll post after the fact. I'll take some pictures and post it for everybody. Okay. But we'll put it up on the Insta. Right. Yes. yes. I don't even know. Do we have social media presence? We have social media presence. Okay. Okay. Because, like, I'm not good with that thing. Right. I am a very, very old man that's trapped in time right now. (laughs) (laughs) You're getting crab snacks. I don't know what's happening. I'm eating Russian crab snacks. 
I don't even know if this is illegal. So it's Russian. Do you live by, does Seattle have a big Russian population? I don't know. I know. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to find out. I know that there's a significant, like, you know, uh, Asian and Indian population, especially in the neighborhoods that I live around. But that being said, I just, I found a crazy blue monster Russian snack. And I was like, okay, this is what I'm trying. So this is what I'm trying. What's it say at the top right there? Oh, that's the only part of this package that's in English. And it says, it's the Blue Monster yelling, it's snack time. So, <laughs> How do you so think the, the Blue Monster sounds? Says, it's snack time. How do you think the Blue Monster sounds in real life? What's his dialect? Is he Russian? <laughs> oh, he's absolutely Russian, for sure. In, in Russia, snack eat you. <laughs> great, too, here. I'm looking... There's clearly some dates on the back of the package. I, do, I don't know what the dates mean because, again, it's in Russian. But the two dates on there are November 11th of 2021 and November 5th of 2022. So I'm going to guess that these are expired by over, about a half a year. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we're going to do it anyway. Expired Russian crab chips are my delicacy for today. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm less excited. I'm less excited now after re- learning this fact than I was just a moment ago. Well, shoot. Okay. So, All right. Yeah, do it. Op- open that. Show us how you open it. How do you open a bag of chips? Oh, very sensually. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a dining experience. All right. Hey, what does it look like that. inside? What does it smell like? <laughs> okay, so it's very seafoody forward. <laughs> you ever had those Asian shrimp chips? Yes. Yeah, it's like that, but for some, for somehow more intense. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> That looks like a Jesus Christ Catholic wafer. Yeah, no, it is like a little rice cracker almost is what I'm guessing here. Are they all shaped like little <laughs> monsters? Yeah, they're all shaped like this little crab guy here. Yeah, I mean, or it could be like a little moose with antlers or something, but I think it's supposed to be like a little crab. All oh right. God. Now I got to really eat one, huh? We don't have to do the taste part, right? No, we do. That's what part of it is. And like now I'm uh, every time he smelled the bag, it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I do have a stronger gag reflex than the other folks in general. Like it smells are really my trigger where I'll, I could straight up vomit with certain smells in the room. So this is not a, we messed up. We should have done the drinks, dude. Let's <laughs> back out and do drinks right now, all right? Do drinks. Yeah. Oh God. All right. All right. Here we go. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Immediate taste. All right. Um. No, I shan't be rebuying another package of these. <laughs> that was the nicest way to say this is shit. <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs> I'm going to do one more for science. 
Just one more, though. Uh, does it get better? Um, I, if I'm not smelling it, it helps a ton. Um, you know what it is? It has the texture of like bugles almost, or like rice cracker bugles. Okay. Crunchy and and uh, light for sure. They like what else when you put them on your tongue, they kind of melt a little bit, sort of thing. Yeah. Flavor is just the smell and the flavor. <laughs> oh he did three he did three um yeah that's that's all that's all we're gonna do about that, that, that <laughs> i'd like to stop please thank you <laughs> yeah, we did the damn thing i we there's snack time everyone enjoy yourself yeah i, I shan't be having buying another package who is it by by the way is it like a nabisco type of thing or is it just Bro, it's Russian. I don't know. Everything is in Russian on the back. I have no clue what anything is. <laughs> Made in Russia. Distributed by Universal Yums. Okay, so I think that this is some sort of like box deal. Like, you know, I don't know. But you, the whole point you, is... Did ahead. you say Universal Yums? Yeah, I think that... I think they do like a box thing. Not, hashtag not a sponsor yet. Universal Yums, come our way. I'm, I'm looking up Universal Yums. Yeah, subscription box with snacks from around the world. There you go. And yeah. Uh, uh, all right, there you go. Yeah, all, all sorts of stuff. My God. Chips. All right. Crab chips, the monster one. So when you actually bought these from the, the gas station you were at, did the, the clerk just like, oh, God. We haven't had somebody buy this in years. <laughs> well, obviously they haven't because it's expired over a year. But, <laughs> I, you know, you and I have different takes on life in the world where I don't go chat up strangers. Okay. Um, we, we are here involved in a transaction where I'm giving you money and you're giving me goods and or services. And that's it. We're done with the transaction where you're sitting up here. It's like, hey, the world's just a friend I haven't met yet. And trying to, hey, buddy, look what I'm up to. I do a podcast. It's like, no one gives a shit in my life. But in yours, they do. It's great. It's you good, that it's good time. It's you fun. It's fun. Thank you. Thank you. Well, th and thank you for trying that amazing snack. Hmm. Do you need a beer? Yeah, very much so. <laughs> you want to go get one? I don't have time for that shit. Let's just go. It's just, it's permeating, though, with me. It's lingering. I'm having this. <laughs> Give the back another whiff. <laughs> oh, that's good. What about you? What did you bring? Or are we just skipping over you now? We did the torture segment. And now we're moving on. No <laughs> I just want, I didn't buy a snack. I just want to see what you did. <laughs> no, I did. I did buy a snack. Um, so I went to um I went to 7-Eleven, and when you go to 7-Eleven, you know, they usually have all of the snacks, like, down the aisles, and if they have, like, a display at the counter, it's usually something 7-Eleven branded. So when I walked in to this 7-Eleven right by the house, I saw a display that I've never seen before, and it wasn't through 7-Eleven, and I saw it, and I was like, huh, I should try this. And I'm curious to see if you have tried this. So I picked out a uh, a chocolate bar. 
Um, and it's called D's Nuts by Mr. Beast, the famous YouTuber who had an entire cardboard cutout big ass display of Mr. Beast D's Nut chocolate bars from I Feastables. Love it. <laughs> love it. But I've heard of it. You've heard of it. Yeah, Have you well, tried Mr. them before? No, no. Mr. Beast has a whole thing. Like that Feastables is his brand. And yeah. So he has like all sorts of candy bars and stuff like that. Coming. I've never had any of them though. So I've never had any of them either. I'm real. So, cause I'm, I'm kind of, would you say that I'm, I, I like, I like bougie stuff. You are a fancy lad. I mean, you are like, if, if we were alive, like 400 years ago, you would be one of those foppish gentlemen, just <laughs> with white powder. <laughs> and so, yeah, no, I think that you are a a man who appreciates the finer things. I like it. I like it. And you have good taste, except in friends. Except in friends. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you were really just picking this one because you wanted to just keep going with the pun of putting these nuts in your mouth. I did. And, and you know what? It's weird because on the back of here, there's actually a little monster too. Oh, another well, blue monster. Yeah, how would that work? It says more noms, more prizes, more beast. It's literally almost the same monster. Like we these it monsters. Is. We did not plan that. <laughs> That's insane. So I guess there was a few different types of bars, and it kind of seemed like it was that, you know, those Hershey bars, like you have the regular milk chocolate, you have like the wafer, the crackle, and then the like the peanut butter uh with nuts. So I like nuts. In and around my mouth, you know. I mean, I like that. Wade has a gag reflex. We've known this since 2000. So that's why we became friends. <laughs> oh, it's so good. So this, you know what, which is cool about this? I asked you how many ingredients yours had. This says only seven ingredients in this. So... For the health nuts out there, the lesser the ingredients, the more like natural or organic it is. So this ingredients, cane sugar, organic cocoa butter, chocolate liqueur is in this, by the way, which interesting. Uh, organic milk, peanut salt, vanilla powder, all organic. Uh, yeah, that's it. But there's liqueur in this. And I was like, wait, in Texas, can they sell this because it has liqueur in it? Don't know. TABC rules, but in this little, you know, kind of smallest, small-ish chocolate bar, um, there are 210 calories, 14 grams of fat, uh, 80 milligrams of sodium, and 16 grams of carbs. So, Mr. Beast ain't fucking around. <laughs> well, and the thing is, with some of these, I mean, who knows? You open this thing, do you just win a $10,000 or something, too? He's giving away cash all the time. Yeah, it says more noms, more prizes, more beasts. Do I, do I like, do the QR code here? Yeah, yeah, you must. I, I mean, I, I, feel, I mean, it feels like it's going to take me to Facebook, but let's let's see here. Let's see what it does. Uh, camera. All right. If you win money, we split it. That's the That's the rule now. That's the deal? That's the deal. You just officially agreed to it through a contract. All right. So there you go. Feast, United States. Uh, okay. So Feastables. Okay. So basically it takes me to a place that like 
Um, I can enter for a $10,000 giveaway or secret videos and stuff like that, yeah. or buy more festivals. Yeah. Yeah. It's let's win all that money. All right. So let you want my, want me to open it? Want me to open it? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's see, what this, let's see what this, what this nuts tastes like. Bet they're delicious. All right. So look at that. It's got like a thing that says share and devour. Uh, it's funny though the share portion is very tiny yeah it is right so i guess About i break some off probably 90 percent of the bar and 10 percent of the bar is just you can break it off and share it it almost looks like a little bit of like toffee there maybe peanut butter crunch but let's get these nuts in my mouth from mr beast yeah all right i like how he holds as he's eating it he holds it up above his head and then comes at it like grapes from the romans <laughs> <laughs> Hedonism bot right here. <laughs> okay. Um, that's actually not bad. It grows on you because I think when it starts out, you're just like, okay, it's a creamy chocolate taste, but then the peanut butter um, really kicks in. Okay, so uh, towards peanut the end. It's layered. It's layered. That's pretty okay. good enjoying it look at this he likes it everybody he likes i do it. like it that's pretty good yeah at first i was like where am i going with this it's pretty good okay mr beast i see you like i mean Jimmy there are no crab chips from russia but <laughs> I mean, this is real bullshit where i'm like choking down expired russian dissident snacks and then you're just enjoying a delicious little chocolate treat not not bad this is our life this is this is our Brought entire to you life. by Voss water <laughs> this is our entire life and relationship in a in a little five minute synopsis here where i'm eating expired russian crab chips and just choking on them but getting through it and then you're sitting here just Delighting yourself with fucking fine chocolates and artesian water. <laughs> artesian boss water. <laughs> That's our life, really. Yeah. Not bad. Like so if you find a Mr. Beast's um D's nuts, give it a try. I'm actually curious on how the other ones taste. Yeah. For sure. I mean, that's what's gonna turn into next time is like I'm having some sort of toxic little expired sardine can and then you're going to be just enjoying like all sorts of other fine chocolates that's what it's going to be we that... can't do this is the first and last snack time because i'm going to die trying these weird things <laughs> i mean i've always tried to kill you i don't know how like even at your own parties i try to kill you <laughs> Just get me all wound up. It's, it's I, a... I, I get Wade wound up, and I can talk him into things pretty easily. And he's a good sport about it. Well, and I, as he's doing, I know what he's doing, and I'm like, "Don't take the bait, Wade. Don't take the bait." But then he knows me well enough to really trigger me on something. So I've been over the past few years. Though, I've been working on my Zen and my meditation and my mindfulness. So hopefully, I'm not going to take the bait as much. But yeah, you you know how to push the buttons. Good, good, good. So yeah, that was the... it's terrible. It's it's, it's, it's terrible. It's really good. 
<laughs> Have another crab chip. <laughs> yes. There he is. There he is. <laughs> He's coughing. Is oh. it? Uh, it's not. Yeah. I'm, I shouldn't have. I don't know why I did. It's going to it's lead me to have a beer or something. I need to get out of that. No. All right. Do you want to go grab a little drinky? No, no, no. We're good. Okay, I we're good. We're good. These little waters and fine, fine, you know, I, I got to <laughs> just drink out of a hose, basically. <laughs> hose water never hurt anybody. <laughs> That's me and you in a nutshell. I could never in a million years picture you drinking out of a hose. I think you'd rather die of dehydration than lower yourself to such standards. Hey, back in the day, my favorite water was hose water because not only was it was refreshing, but it filled you up because <laughs> I drank so much of it. Well, the problem is like, you were just putting the hose directly into your mouth and getting on yeah, it. Go, go, going, on, going in on it. Yeah, just uh, it on it. God, that's funny. The two legitimate snack hour. That's what it is. Uh, it'll be back. <laughs> All right, everybody. Yeah, thanks for showing <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. I'm going to go throw up now. Uh, so in our past shows, we've usually done like a big debate and a big issue. Um, our big issue and debate is kind of topical this year, right? Or not this year, this episode. This year's podcast, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> more regular. I promise you, I promise Brian and I promise that everyone out there, we're going to get this on over the rails. We're going to do better. All right, yeah. So the big issue, I believe, is it the WGA strike, the writer strike, and Hollywood striking right now against the big, big film companies? Yeah, that's basically it. Right now, there's a big strike going on. We're a few weeks into it, right? Three weeks, almost a month, maybe. Right. I think it's maybe close to a month right now. And so I'm sure you've all heard um, that the WGA, the Writers Guild. Uh, the union, all the TV and movie writers, they have they, they did a strike um, against the big movie and streaming companies. And so there's no new TV coming out. There's going to be no new talk shows or anything like that coming out um, because the writers want a livable wage um, and they want the... They want, um, oh, what is it called? Uh, residuals from streaming companies because they don't get it. And they want such a small fraction of what anybody else makes that they just, it, so they call it a livable wage because stuff, prices have gone up. And so the last time this happened was like when at the height of like Gilmore Girls and at the height of like The Office and Parks and Rec, and it lasted over four months. And so some TV shows went away for good. Some had to come back. Some seasons like lasted like four episodes and they went away for a while. And so it just, and so not a lot of people think like, oh, the writers are holding it up. And I was like, no, it's the companies, in my opinion, that are holding this up. But then people are out of work, like the craftspeople, the caterers, the lighting, the rigs, the people who build the sets, they're all out of work because nothing's getting made. Um, so I'm curious, Wade, what's your stance on all of this? And I mean, I mean, you went to law school, you went to all of this stuff. What's what's going on? I, I think that was a great synopsis first. To me, this whole discussion kind of falls into two. Uh, there's two different items that are major negotiation topics topics here for this whole 
uh, separation between the business and the Writers Guild. The first is kind of what you highlighted the most, where it's kind of centered around uh, pay and making sure that compensation is is kind of adjusted accordingly. We can talk about that here in a second. And then the other topic that is getting was getting less attention, but is starting to actually kind of ramp up a little bit as other technology is kind of becoming more into the forefront is talking about AI and chat GPT and those sorts of things and how they relate to, um, uh, you know, writers do, do the businesses need writers or can they have artificial intelligence actually draft up some of the scripts? And then how does that impact the writers guild? What does that mean? Sort of thing. And they're trying to, so one of them is about the current issue, right? Today. And that's the pay issue. And then there's a real concern about the future and trying to make sure that there's some established rules and guidelines on who can and cannot use artificial intelligence to uh, write for um, movies and television and stuff. So you want to talk about the first part first? Yeah, let's talk about the first part. Okay. So with the first part, to me, I think you did a great job of framing it up. To me, the major issue here is that the models that they were using to determine how people get paid uh, worked well in a pre-pandemic world where, um, well, and, and I wouldn't even say it worked perfectly in a pre-pandemic world, but it made a lot more sense in a pre-pandemic world. And by that, what I mean is uh, how people get the content today is way different than it was five years ago, right? right. Where a lot of people go to the movie theater, a lot of people watch television through cable or whatever, and um, that's how they get the content. And so that's how the deals were structured in which, you know, box office sales for movies or, you know, amount of eyeballs like Nielsen ratings and, and amount of views on uh, for television. And then as things started to migrate over to streaming services and online and YouTubes and all the other stuff going on right now. And everybody's forming their own channels. Um, media companies like, you know, they have their own channel. Um, that those models don't work the same partially because no one knows the date anymore. Let's just take an example of Netflix, right? Netflix knows how much folks watch their shows, but they don't publish that data. You know, sometimes they'll let little bits out about like, oh, there's this many hours of this show was watched or something like that over the last month. But they hoard all that data and, and purposely don't show it out because they treat it like a competitive advantage internally for business sense. As a result of that, though, the writers don't know if they're writing for one of the most popular shows on Netflix or one of the least popular ones. And all that information asymmetry makes it very difficult to negotiate because basically you're just relying on the business to tell you what you should be getting paid. And in the end, that's the argument becomes, well, is that fair? Because, you know, because what they, what the writer's guild is essentially saying is like, look, the argument is there that you're hoarding all the information and, and the, and the businesses are telling them, Hey, you know, we're not getting that much money. You're not driving that much revenue, so on and so forth. But then you're seeing on the backside of it, Netflix and other of these, you know, everybody's moving to this market because it's high dollars and lower costs. And so you're seeing right. that they're making billions and they're giving, you know, tens to hundreds of millions of bonuses to these execs in these organizations. And so the writers guild rightfully in my opinion is saying, "Hey, look, if you're if you're making that kind of money to where you can just throw it around to each other, 
then you know, just throw us a little bit. You know, they're 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 strategically saying, hey, I want it to be like two percent profit. They're trying to keep it a super low number just to kind of spread it out, but um it, it makes it hard to side with the businesses, in my opinion. Well, because when you look at the businesses and they're constantly saying, Hey, we made record profits, uh, we we did this so well, and then the 10 people in charge are getting tens of millions of dollars a year in a in a bonus, you know, a bonus. Yeah. And then meanwhile, while the writers are out there like 18 hour days writing TV, doing script doctoring and stuff like that, and they're getting paid the lowest out of anybody, really, in, you know, one of the four or five major categories. And it's you kind of think like, yeah, we want a livable wage like we. And just like in television and movies that you go to the theater to see, a lot of these writers might get residuals, like they'll get a check every time it's shown and somebody plays it. But streaming is not doing that. And so that's one of the uh, one of the elements of this whole deal is that streaming, you're making so much money. We want a little bit of that residual just, you know, because it's our work. 100 percent. I mean, and you know, it's one of those, we're not in a real debate right now. Like you're using more loaded language on purpose about fair and livable wage and all that stuff. I'm trying to keep it more, but I'm with you, right? That I think that here the writers have a much stronger argument and, you know, there's just some corporate greed going on in general. But one of the things that I think is most interesting that I don't hear anybody talking about is part of this whole thing that we talked about before where you know, five, 10 years ago, it was set up one way and now it's completely different is because of the play, the players in this game. If, if you view negotiation as a game, the players in the game have changed, but nobody kind of is addressing that right now. Like before you'd have the writers who were showbiz people negotiating with the studio heads who are showbiz people. But today now all of these, um, all of these uh, media companies are getting run by these tech bros. Yep. You know, so now, so now, and and when they're doing analysis and financial analysis, and they're looking at it, they're not looking at it from the lens of how do we make great movies and great television and entertain the masses. They're looking at it like, how do I get 10x ROI on my initial investment here and turn this and balloon up my thing and get the share price rocketing up? And writers in the past have appealed to, hey, you've done it here a couple of times where you say, hey, I want to make sure that we get good content. And to be fair, you know, I would say that in the last five, you're the critic, you tell me, but in the last five to 10 years, I would say movies are not great for the most part. They're, but television has been amazing. Like the, the quality of TV and TV writing, I think I would offer, I don't know if it's ever been better, but, and so I think that, you know, we're going to lose some of that. So interesting. That, that's 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 a volatile, a volatile statement. Um, I would be on the side to say, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I mean, how many times do you want to see a rehash of an Ant Man or a, a comic book thing? You know, right? No, and so I will agree with you right there. I will agree that superhero movies, minus maybe Guardians, and yeah, maybe that's it. Uh, that ship has i wouldn't say not sailed but they with avengers and marvel after endgame it's like these movies make a billion dollars a movie we gotta 
we got to make more. We got to make more every year. And then the market is flooded. And with Marvel and Disney, it's we're releasing two or three movies theatrically a year. And now you have four TV shows to watch through the year. And it's just a lot. And so I think with that, I think it just all becomes kind of like rather than a small pond with really big, great, delicious fish. It's an ocean of real little fish. And there's like, oh, there's so much. And it's just not tasty. It's just like all the same stuff. And I can't get behind it. There's nothing original anymore. I do think there's a lot of really good movies over the last five years, but maybe to partially agree with what you said, um, there's a lot of rubbish out there that I might still like, but I just are forgettable. But I will agree. TV is where it's at because when streaming hit five years ago, like really big when all the streamers during the pandemic, because mm-hmm. we had Hulu, we had Netflix, we had Amazon Prime. Those were the three big ones. And now there's like 10 more really big ones. Everybody had to have their own and their own original content. And when they do that, we got, we have so much great original television. We have so many great actors coming to them from feature films and people are liking it because they're on TV more. They're getting a lot of money. They have a job for longer, you know, uh, it's a cool deal. And then, I think with that happening, and we've already started to see that some of the bigger companies are starting to buy up those smaller, um, those smaller streaming services already to mm-hmm. like come in together. And so now with the writers, with the streaming being as big, because so many people have cut cable, are cutting cable, the writers want a little piece because they're very hard workers. They're working 18 hours a day. So they're not getting paid what they should be paid like you said, in this modern world. I don't even put it on the hard worker side because who gives a shit, especially if you're an artist, right? I I agree with what you're saying and I don't begrudge the character or work ethic of anybody in it because a lot of that shit's a grind, right? Mm -hmm. Writing is a grind. But that being said, it shouldn't matter, right? Especially in the arts because it's like whether, if if somebody made a a, a painting that sold for a million dollars, does it matter if it took them 30 minutes or 3,000 hours to make that painting? I mean, yeah. in the end, there's inherent value within the art. And if people appreciate it and want to take it in, they, the market will value it out accordingly, right? Where, And so right. here, all I'm getting at is it's not even about the work ethic, although I think that's true. To me, it's really about exploiting people right it's it's like you know and and i think that in general if we we can expand this conversation well outside of the writers guild this discussion and other stuff in general about like corporate greed and balancing you know what i would argue is like extremist capitalism versus almost like extremist socialism right where everybody should have the exact same amount of money at all times versus you know you know, let let the market decide and, you know, the rich get richer and the poor, the, the economic gaps are growing, right? And I don't want to turn this into a much bigger conversation, but the whole point being that to me, I don't know if there is a good, if we can figure out a good balance yet. But if you can figure out that balance, I think that that would be the appropriate, I think that would be the appropriate end result for all parties here. It's like, give them a little bit. And then it'll be fine. And then when something else comes along, you have a talk and, you know, and and it's, it's always frustrating to hear, you know, not just in the film industry, but in almost like the, even the oil and gas industry, when these companies, these big 
corporations are, are constantly every quarter record setting profits, record setting profits. You know, the CEOs, the CFOs, the head managers are got millions of dollars of bonuses. And then meanwhile, the little workers or the writers in this case, they're still working off stuff from 10 years ago. And they're like, hey, you know, these actors, you and then the business is getting all these residuals from streaming is like, can we have like a fraction of that so we could pay our rent for our apartment in Los Angeles and Hollywood? You know, like we're not asking for we need a million dollars every time this gets played. It's like, no, we want a fraction like of a percent to live. And for the big corporations to say we've made making record setting profits to not like, oh, yeah, here, have this. And, you know, and then take, you know, an extra week off as you can spend with your family for a year, you know, something like that. It just it mind boggles. But then you goes back to what you were saying. It's like these people in charge tech bros. Uh, they're only looking as like, oh, I invested $10 million in this. I no matter what, no matter who we have to screw over, we have to get this up. Well, I'm trying to leave the ethical argument out of it for a second here, where it's like, oh, it's about screwing people over. It, it is greed for sure, right? <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I don't think their intent is to screw anyone over. But the intent is, I got to get mines. And there, there's a lot of that in general right now, where everybody, I mean, in the end, I think that this problem is not only going to need like economists and other folks, but I think it's going to need like philosophers and folks with like ethics of like, and we as a country need to kind of look at ourselves and say, who, do, who are we? Who do we want to be? It, right. Because it's like, there's there's folks that make the argument and, I, and that, hey, it's unethical for a CEO to make a $150 million bonus if the person working in the, uh, at the shop floor, uh, has a, you know, below poverty lines, it can't, can't make a minimum livable wage. And I mean, in the end, it's electing Congress people to make laws, right? I mean, it's like, where basically the law, I mean, if no one's proposed anything like this, but if we propose a law saying, Hey, at any company, the total compensation value for the highest paid person can't be greater than X of the lowest compensated person. And then just make it, just throw in a number, say a thousand times, a hundred times, it doesn't, whatever the number is, right? Then you can start to get your arms around it, but it becomes a discussion about, hey, you know, people at the top of the food chain really overvalue their input. And they, they really think that they, I mean, it's, it's partially greed, but they also really think that they're without their genius, this wouldn't be happening. So I earned it. Right. Truly they earned it. Right. Right. No. And so I'm not sure where in the writer's strike in the Hollywood where that's happening per se, but it's a thing. And so in addition to the writer's strike, the Hollywood and all everybody's been reporting that maybe very, very, very soon over the next couple of weeks, the producers guild and the directors guild are going to strike as well. And if that happens, I mean, who knows when we'll get new movies and TV shows and talk shows um, because that means everybody's out. And, and I, I would, would believe the producers and directors, they definitely get paid more than the writers, but I think it's just, you know, standing with them and like, we need to fix this. And I mean, I remember the last time this happened, it lasted over four months and we lost shows. We lost stuff for months and, uh, or even years. And so maybe, maybe 
the bright side, the positivity side of this is that movies that are been on a hold shelf for a while might come out that we never would have seen, which might be cool for people. But again, where are we going with the with art? Because just like um, in that amazing John Cusack movie, High Fidelity, there's a piece of dialogue. He says that like music, movies, books, these things matter. And I firmly believe that. Agreed, right? And, and it, I, I believe that too. You know, it's like in my in my mind, you know, as I've gone on and given this a lot of thought, it's like we we work to create art. We don't create art on, alongside work. The reason that we have business and and you know why why we make money is to make beauty. I think right, so we can afford the white space or the resources or the time or whatever it is to allow us to create something beautiful and artistic. And that th those are the things that I cultural, you know, that I think are value added overall. Um, yeah, but if, if, if the producers and the directors join the writers, I think that we're in it for the long haul. And I think the writers will get mostly where they want to go. If they don't, the writers are fucked and this is going to go on for a long time. Okay. So, What's your prediction? Like, how long do you see this going? Knowing that the big one last time lasted a little over four months, where yeah. do you think this one's going? Where we're already at a month or so? And we we haven't even talked about the AI thing yet. We'll have to loop back to that at another time. Right, sure. right, yeah. But um, I honestly think that regardless of whether or not the producers and the directors join, that I I don't know. I don't see this getting resolved before the end of the year. Um, so we're, we're, we're not even in July yet. Um, I, I think that this is going to go at least to December, probably into 2024. If again, though, I mean, it's one of those where I, there's no motivation and, you know, you look at what happened from us on the consumer side, the consumers jumping in and defending the writers would help out at time, but in the end, it'll happen just like it did three years ago. Where everybody's like, oh shit, I could just go on Netflix and watch every movie from the 80s again. Or I can go watch, you know, Arrested Development all the way through or something, you know, and and folks will go find their content, or maybe they'll go outside, you know, and go do some other stuff and find other ways to spend their entertainment dollars. So I, I honestly think that this is gonna drag on for much longer than the previous one. I I mean, I hope not, but I, you might be right. And, you know, it, it might come if if the writers can hold out, the studios will start to lose money and they'll be like, oh, God, we're losing more money. Give them the half percent, whatever they want so we can get back to business immediately. But that might take longer than four months like it did last time. And. You know, if they get really big names in Hollywood, because they've been getting some names, but, you know, the really big names with a lot of power and clout to come out and really do something. It's crazy because, you know what, I it's it, it doesn't only affect your favorite TV shows, but it affects the talk shows. It affects reality TV and it affects award shows because mm -hmm. this goes on. There won't be an Oscar ceremony. There won't be a critics choice award ceremony because there are writers for that. There's writers for the comedians and the hosts. That's what happens. Like that, that well, you won't get a compelling argument to me by saying we don't get to see the critics choice awards anymore. I don't give a shit. I'm not. 
<laughs> I think your point is extremely valid, though, right? That it's like, hey, everything has a writer. You know, you don't get to watch Big Brother because that has a writer, right? right. That, that's going to be off this summer. So, yeah. Right. And you know what? The These shows can do stuff, but if somebody comes on there and writes for them, you know, like that writer will be persona non grata for the rest of their life, you know? Like there, yeah, yeah, it would be a thing. So. But again, we're we're gonna have to skip on it for now. But AI, I I fear that the writers are digging their own grave here with treating because the, the corporations are gonna treat this like a forcing function on the AI side. Where okay, if we're held out right here, maybe we go invest a hundred million dollars across all of us. We split it up and really push on this chat GPT or, or whatever AI funk corporation, develop our own to do an algorithm to be a writer, right? We just develop a, a, a TV writing, a game, you know, like a TV game show has a very specific function of, of within the writer's guild, like whoever's writing Wheel of Fortune and stuff, they have a very specific niche thing, right? But you can just, you know, they'll say, okay, can we just have a, a AI robot do that? And then expand it out over time. And I and I guarantee you right now we could probably have an AI write a goddamn Marvel movie. You know, right. And so, you know, some of these successions and some of these other things, maybe not not yet. We're not there, right? But you know, there's some things that are very formulaic that these things can do faster, cheaper, easier. Um it's gonna be interesting. I, it's like I, I don't know. It's like it's a tough spot to be in right now for the writers. It is. It's it's very upsetting, but hopefully, you know, at least let's. I would like to say, like over the next three weeks, that there's a, a deal made and everybody can get back to work and not Your prediction. Three weeks? No, my my. I mean, that's my that's my dream scenario is three weeks, but my gut is saying probably by Halloween is when okay. it will be solved. All right. Well, we're going to keep our eye on it for sure, right? And then we'll keep updating. Do we have a bet on this? Are we going to bet something? I mean, no more crab chips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was about to say, us like more crab chips from Russia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll think of a bet. We'll think of it. What's a good bet? Um, time to figure it out. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it. Um, so speaking of all these movies and TV shows, it is July 4th holiday weekend right now as we're recording this. Um, so July 4th movies are a thing. They're not as big as Christmas movies. They're not as big as Halloween movies, but there are July 4th movies out there that you can watch in different genres, different, different types of movies to strike your fancy for July 4th, whether you're wanting to take place during the summer or be patriotic. So wide. <laughs> what yes, are you thinking Brian. what are you thinking well so it's funny because i know it's kind of really digging in because we were talking about hey let's talk about fourth of july movies it's like my mind started to go all over the place as far as well, how do you even define what a fourth of july movie is because some of them are about america some i'd say that there's a fair amount that i would argue are military kind of movies that um, and historical pieces like Lincoln and stuff that I would argue, you know, might have a 4th of July kind of vibe to the whole thing. But those aren't the ones I find as fun. So, But I tried to capture some of those in there. And basically, I was trying to think about 
ones that are, I think are going to stand the test of time a little bit, right? Where, you know, I think there's plenty where it's like they get a little more dated and it's like, okay, that's not as good. And so I, I made a top five of what I'm calling right now the top five Fourth of July movies on my side. You want me to just run through the list and go five to one or? Go five to one, baby. All right. Five to one. Okay. So right now, I'm not sure if this is going to age well, but I'll number five because I wanted to put something political in there. So I put uh, Hamilton, the musical that's oh. kind of streaming on Disney Plus. There you go. Uh, I, I think that the the story's great and all that stuff. And, you know, people love it. So who knows? Maybe it will stand the test of time. Musicals tend to kind of age better. But uh, I think that, oh, you know, 25 years from now, when we look back and like, oh, that's when they were doing all that rapping, that Lin-Manuel joint, right? But, <laughs> but, but uh, I, I think, it, you know, right now it's on my number five, all right? And then for number four, um, this is one that may be less obvious, but I, I love it. It's a Die Hard 3, Live Free or Die Hard taking place in the summer in New York and Samuel L. Jackson's in it and they're running all over. Uh, Jeremy Irons is in it, bad guy. And uh, I thought that movie was awesome. I think that's the best Die Hard movie. Oh man, that should be a whole separate conversation we could talk about when it gets closer to Christmas about best Die Hard movie. Because now there's like 17 of them, I think. I don't know. There's like- There's (laughs) There's a lot, there's a lot. Five or six, yeah. Which is crazy because to me, it's really just the three, you know, but- whatever so but of, of the it's one of the best if not the best although i love one die hard one two and three right i don't take that i love two we can talk about that at some point two is underrated it's a good one it's a good one it's, i don't know there's something about three that i love though well i figured that the reason that you love two so much is the naked tai chi scene but it, you know. it is yes yeah. <laughs> always naked so next, tai chi. next up on my list I mean, this one's the mo- one of the more obvious ones. Independence Day. Yeah. You know? Welcome, Welcome to, to Earth. Earth. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Jinx, you owe me a Coke. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, something to wash these crab chips down with. <laughs> the, uh, no, Independence Day. I mean, what can you say? Aliens take it over. It's, it's actually, it's a, you know, high budget action movie, yada, yada. But it had a pretty stirring presidential speech written in the middle of that you know for as being as kind of you know it, it had a real moment of a swell here where he's like yeah let's today is going to be our independence day except i hate how i wish that they th- that line in particular at the end of the speech i i wish they rewrote it but that being said so it's great and so, randy quaid saves the world i mean I'd like to think that that's the timeline we're living in right now, too, is that Randy Quaid is going to save us all from everything. I, I think it's going to happen. He's on his way. We're in the darkest timeline. I mean, we can all agree on that right now, right? That somehow we fell into the darkest timeline Yep. of the multiverse. But I feel like Randy Quaid is somehow going to save us. I don't fully know yet. And then you can't have a 4th of July or summer movie list without naming Jaws. Jaws has got to be on there. And it's like the best part about Jaws and what people today just can't seem to get through their thick skulls is the same thing that happened with Hitchcock and Spielberg did it too. Spielberg did it because of a mechanical issue, but you don't show the big bad, right? Right. Leave it to the imagination of the people. Let let you, because your imagination is going to be crazier than whatever you're going to show on screen. Right. 
And so I don't know why people don't do that more today, but that's what made Jaws so awesome. That they had a piece of shit mechanical shark <laughs> <laughs> named Bruce. Bruce. Here, you know the story better than I. So Bruce, you want to tell that or yeah, so the this shark, I mean this was before CG and computer effects this was in the 70s on martha's vineyard and they built this giant mechanical asshole shark that never worked and they had scenes where the shark was going to be interacting with the people a lot yeah and they it doesn't (laughs) they got like what you see in the movie is like oh this is what we could use without it breaking down and like basically the shark's mechanical head exorcising being an exorcism turning around and just shorting out uh and so like that's what they did and like it was something that they thought okay well we're we're gonna play it cool this is not like a biggest budget movie but it is it cost a lot so we're hoping for the best and then you know history happened and everybody is still afraid to go in the water because of jaws icon i mean still afraid to go in the water because of jaws that that there's two notes that when you just hear those two notes all of a sudden it becomes a whole thing yep oh it's it's a uh super impactful movie um and then and then for my number one here it's like I'm going to put this to you that I don't know if there's a more American movie. And I'm saying it's the Sandlot. It's like one of those where you have baseball, freedom, kids roaming around. It's nostalgia at a time. You know, it's a story to go to greatness. There's a lot there. And, and I think that a baseball movie in general, I we could have just made it a baseball movie list too, right? I could right. Just you could have a League of the Road and a Natural and all these other ones in there. And I think that's totally Americana and something to watch on the 4th of July. But the Sandlot is the one where, you know, I could still kind of pop my kid down and we could watch that together and kind of, it's, it's great. It is good because the Sandlot, so I wrote back in 2015 uh, a, a list of July 4th movies. Um, Independence Day was on there, Jaws was on there, and The Sandlot was on there for sure because it is. It's it's Little League. It's chewing tobacco for the first time. It's cooking s'mores, your first kiss, you know. It's Carnivals and yeah. talking smack to the rival kids, you know, that you didn't like. You know, it was all these little wives. Like, you know, it's almost an early version of the movie Boyhood where you're getting all of these things that you – grew up with in in life and as a kid and there is that one night game a year you know during july 4th and it's you've got ray charles singing america the beautiful and it's like it's it's a very sweet movie i I couldn't have picked said it better myself perfect that's why you have your job (laughs) that's why you have your job it's just it's so good the sandlot is so good and i agree with jaws it takes place over july 4th weekend uh and uh independence day i mean it i mean that movie came out on july 3rd july 4th and even says july 4th on the movie and it's it's a whole thing i mean you got it's called independence day yeah you got judd hirsch and you got jeff goldblum what more can you want i mean when you have an action movie a a buddy action movie and it's will smith and jeff goldblum what what fever dream did that combo come out of to where it made sense and it works great but it's, great. The, but it's one of those where 
if you gave me 30 stabs at trying to come up with a good pair for the movie, that wouldn't be a pair that would jump out to me. But it's like one of those, I love it. Well, that's like Will Smith in life. You know, it's like what move, take a look at his movies. Like you have like him and Kevin James, you have him and Tommy Lee Jones, you have, you know, him and Kevin Klein. It's just like, he's paired up with these weird fucking people, not weird people, but like amazing thespians. Uh, but you just don't think like Will Smith and all of like these fever dreams, as you would say, to be paired up with, but they work. Well, right, but then you also have like Bad Boys where he's part of like Martin. And that makes, to me, that's like, yeah, this is- they, Well, that's basically don't... like twins, you know? Like it's- <laughs> like... Well, you can picture them, they, they have the chemistry where you can picture them actually being buddies, right? It's right, like right. Sense. But it's like, you, Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith ain't getting in the same room together. They're, unless they're kind of, that's not how that's going to work. Correct, correct. So yeah, I, I get those. So July 4th movies to me- um, I, I have a few of them. So one of them, one of my favorite ones is Wet Hot American Summer. Oh. Uh, just because I I love comedy. And so when a new brand of comedy comes around, whether it be like the Adam Sandler comedy, the Judd Apatow comedy, or this David Wayne, Michael Showalter, the state comedy as in Wet Hot American Summer, like it, wrecked me in the best possible ways like that comedy i love and when i saw wet hot american summer probably in college with you i had to go find all those old state episodes i had to find those stella shorts and i was like this this is me this is what i like <laughs> it's so good if, if if you haven't if anybody hasn't seen wet hot american summer and you like like the paul rudd humor sensibility sort of thing Go get this movie and go check it out. It's it's fantastic. I mean, he's in it, right? It's a crazy cast now when you look at it. It's like there's tons of famous people right. that are in it now. Um, and the whole premise of they're all supposed to be playing teenagers, but they're well in their 30s. And it, it, it's just late 20s and 30s. It's it's so funny. It's so good. The the It's like a movie that you kind of have to watch a few times to get every single joke because there's like enough jokes in it for like three movies but it's just so good it's just it's amazing one more thing because you just sparked it for me it's like there's stuff i watch I, i've seen the movie probably 20 times plus and it's like there's something i caught the last time i watched it that i'd never seen any other one where they're having a conversation and then the two instead of running off screen they run away towards the kind of the back rear of the frame and instead of kind of going behind a barn they just run up to the wall of the barn and just stand there stone-faced with their nose against the barn. So you just had two people run and stand by. It makes zero sense on any level. <laughs> and it's just so funny. It's just so stupid. But it's a, it's a visually great gag because you're just, wait, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's so great. Um, so that one, uh, I'm going to flip it uh, 180 there from comedy to horror. And I'm going to go Return of the Living Dead. Uh -oh. Return of the Living Dead takes place on July 3rd and July 4th. Most people don't know this. And this was kind of the batshit horror comedy answer to Night of the Living Dead. And where Night of the Living Dead is very poignant and real. And it's talking about social and racial issues and like world ending. This is kind of like 
that on cocaine and acid where everybody's yelling there's punk rockers there it is crazy uh great movie july 3rd and july 4th they're talking about celebrating july 4th and it's zombies and it's got like great punk music in it i love that movie return of awesome. the which they made four or five sequels to uh an- another one that i have to which is also a horror comedy movie to me which is amazing it's from the 80s it is called sleepaway camp and it is a summer great horror serial killer movie slasher which has one of the best endings to a movie uh twist endings which i'm sure m night Shyamalan as a kid saw that and was like i need to make twist endings in my movie uh <laughs> and he did and, and he did and he never he's stopped. a man uh sleepaway camp always good um i know you said sandlot and so in my list i actually put this one and i know it absolutely does not take place during the summertime or july 4th but i'm gonna say the first rocky movie um and i'll tell you why um Rocky one is all about America and celebrating America and what it can be. Uh, You have the top fighter in the world who says, Hey, I want to give the everyday Joe a chance. Who's coming with me. And they find Rocky, you know, he's much older and he's the underdog. And Mm -hmm. Apollo Creed even comes out as like uncle Sam, George Washington to the fight celebrating America mm-hmm. and they get in the fight and America loves that underdog story, you know? And that's why I like Rocky for July 4th celebrating America because that is the American dream right there. Rocky. I, I love it. I mean, I, it's one of those where it's a non-conventional pick, but you're absolutely right. And Rocky is also a great kind of love story too. I think that, I think that all the craziness of Rocky two and three and four and 15 and Creed six or whatever we're up to now kind of steered away from it. But if you look at the original one that was written by Sly Stallone. Yeah. It, it, it's a great story. It's the underdog story and it's a great romance story. My wife loves that movie so much just because of the romantic. No, it's one of the best romance stories. It's so yeah. good. I yeah. love it. And then my last one, I'm going to say it because I love this movie so much takes place during the summer. Dirty dancing. I love it so much. <laughs> not condone dirty you sell it to me because it's like i would dirty dancing is so it takes place during the summer i like the whole summer aspect because everybody's out of school you're going to spend it with your family and then you have you know may well be taboo romance but (laughs) under the knee underneath the dancing and everything this movie is about you know theft geriatric people conning people and like stealing all of their goods and services this is about a botched abortion and this is about a dude who you would look at on the street and say like this is a scary guy but is actually the sweetest soul and it takes all these high-end people who treat him like dirt to like oh he's actually a really good dude i respect it and about achieving one's dream of whatever it may be in this case dancing where baby comes in and is like she can't dance for shit she's young everybody treats her like a child and she's like an adult she's doing things for people she's getting things done she's helping 
with her friend with the abortion. She's helping Johnny. And, you know, she sells this amazing performance that she practiced like, what, a few weeks on? Damn. America. America. (laughs) (laughs) Hard work and dedication and not, you know, uh, going down on what you believe in. That's good stuff. That's America. Uh, I, I'm taking it back. I don't even know what to say to this. It's like, this is a crazy pick. It's like, if you were to pick a Swayze movie, pick like Red Dawn. What are you doing? But, oh, but okay. All right. Dirty Dancing, everybody. There it is. Let's Dirty see. Dancing. There you go. He had the time of his life. I did. I had the time of my life. I don't know. I, it's like, I'm not going to put the weight stamp of approval on that one, but I love it. People, watch Dirty Dancing and tell me, does this make you think of <laughs> I love it, because it's like, we had the same thing about, what was it? We'll have to bring it back up during Christmas time, I guess. Where you're talking about Eyes Wide Shut again. Where That's it's the like, best Christmas movie ever made. All right, we're not getting into that right now, <laughs> No, we're not. We're not. Those are our July 4th movies. You know, like a little, some little honorable mentions with their like Escape from New York. Great. Uh, You know, Kurt Russell, John Carpenter stuff. Always good. But, and even the way, way back, kind of something that happened a few years ago. Great summer movie uh, about a kid finding himself. It's good stuff. So yeah, you got like the Warriors and stuff too, yeah. where they're kind of, yeah, there's, there's lots of fun ones for sure. But that was actually, I, I really loved hearing your take on stuff and I loved getting some different angles that I would never in a million years think of. So there you go. You're welcome. Thank you for yours too. I like it. Uh, that's kind of our big issue for the show. That's you know, WGA strike and July 4th movies. Uh, but now we want to kind of go into like, it's been a year and a half. It's been two years. What are we watching right now, bud? What, what, what's, what, what are we catching up on? I mean, I watch a lot of stuff. And on top of the stuff that I watch, I watch reality TV. And on top of the reality TV and movies and television shows I watch, I watch pro wrestling. I watch a lot of stuff. Are you watching just the same amount? Or are you watching something completely different? I have been really checking out of, of a lot of stuff a lot more recently where you know, I, I, I'm not watching near as much as you. It's like, you are my content guru and who I go to to talk about content for sure. But one of, some of the things that I've been discovering lately are more in the music. Do you mind if I go music for a second here? Is that okay? Music it up. So there's a few things that I really started to get into and grooving on from a music perspective. Have you ever heard of the band Wet Leg? Yes, and I've actually seen them live. That is awesome. I want to talk about that concert experience at some point. It's it's like that this Wet Leg album called Wet Leg is like their debut album, I believe. Yeah, Shay's like, Lounge, man. That is the jam. Shay's Lounge is the jam. Although I pronounce it Shay's Lounge too, but in the song is Shay's Long. And it's like, I don't know <laughs> if that's a British thing or if I've been saying it wrong for over 40 years. I can't tell anymore. But but yeah, your mom and uh uh there's there's all sorts of great jams on there. The, the the album the album slaps for sure. And uh another track uh there's a band called Electric 6 that has uh a track called uh uh High Voltage. Okay. This one I just I keep that one on a pretty consistent rotation in my house too where it's like I'm just listening to High Voltage all the time. The videos is a little nutty too. So 
you definitely got to check out the video. In fact, you know, I, every every one of these podcasts, I've said, hey, Brian, splice in a little bit of that video real fast, and you never do. And you and here I'm going to say it again. We should splice in a little bit right here. High voltage. Already done. <laughs> so, so that and other music and stuff is really where I've been kind of jamming out lately. It's just, uh, it's been a lot of fun exploring and listening to new music. There's a lot of great stuff coming out right now. And again, I'm getting overwhelmed on the content with all the different providers. Like, you know, like I, like I said, I'm going more TV than movies, but then it's like, okay, now I need a Roku app to do something. You know, it's like, I got the Apple, I got the Disney plus and the Hulu and the Netflix and the Jesus Christ, you got Paramount plus and then Max now and all this stuff. And it's just, to me, it's just too crazy. So I'm trying to kind of downsize on some of that and be a little bit more selective. And so I've been just really kind of listening to, getting some records and spinning some vinyl, having a nice little beverage and just chilling. Good deal. Good deal. I like it. Um, music wise. Yeah. I listened to wet leg. I saw them in concert. So I heard of wet leg by way of probably people. Most people did in the States, you know, like that, that music video Shays lounge went viral and I saw it and I was like, Jesus Christ, these chicks are amazing. And then I went out and seeked them out and was like, these are awesome. These people are awesome. This band is great. And I saw that they were coming to Dallas. And not only that, Wet Leg was doing a tour overseas and then they were coming to the US for three locations. One of them was in Deep Ellum, Dallas, Texas. And I was like, no fucking way got tickets immediately and they weren't even the main act. Like they went on before the main act. So they were like an opener. Mm-hmm. And I, I will tell you this, I am be brutally honest after wet leg played 40% of the people cleared out mm. for the main act. Cause everybody was there to see wet leg and they rocked it. They were so good. So good. And uh, it, it was it was amazing to see. So uh, I really enjoyed that 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 thing. So wet legs great. Um, music wise, I'm listening to a bunch of stuff, but uh, I got to tell you, if we're doing music, so we don't have to do music. You can, here, tell me about what you're watching. Well, I want to say, like in that music thing, it's funny because I find myself going to YouTube and watching old music videos from like the 80s and 90s and so i kind of start on this early 90s binge where i'm listening to stuff like puddle of mud and smash mouth and alien ant farm and so that takes me to be like hey i like to throw parties i like to throw lavish parties how much is Smash Mouth to book? How much is Puddle of Mud to book for a party? So I'm going, I'm researching this stuff, you know. I have some connections in the world and I'm like asking people like, how much are they to book? How much are these people to book? So my friend Smash Mouth, take for an example, Smash Mouth. You know way more Smash Mouth songs than you think. Like there's like 10 great Smash Mouth songs. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I can't have my name sitting next to something where we're saying there's 10 great Smash Mouth songs. I'm I'm telling you, I'm telling you there are. Uh, 
and you would know them all. But I looked up Smash Mouth, and they are between ten and fifteen thousand dollars to book for a concert. And so I'm like, hey, this would they would be great at the crawfish party, annual crawfish boil. Smash Mouth plays the crawfish in Dallas, Texas. And then I looked at Puddle of Mud and really Puddle of Mud. I really only want to hear she fucking hates me. And they are seven thousand dollars to book. And I'm like, dude, this is so doable. Smash Mouth and Puddle of Mud play crawfish boil. 2024. I mean, if you if you let me negotiate this a little bit, I'm convinced that we can probably get them down to 150 bucks and some cheeseburgers. I think, especially Smash Mouth, <laughs> I don't think he, he looks like he'd enjoy a cheeseburger. I'm telling but, you. So I, I go through these these old music videos, and when I play it, because I do YouTube Premium, and I highly suggest that because there's literally no ads for uh, YouTube Premium, and so just music videos keep playing and when you start playing stuff from Smash Mouth and your your playlist gets involved in that and just yeah. all these songs from the 90s come up and it's amazing. So I've been doing that. But that I love great. it. I love it. But in the TV show and movie realm, um, there's, a sh- there's a great new show on Apple TV Plus called, um, called, shit, what is it called? Hmm. It's with Seth Rogen and Rose Byrne. Platonic. Platonic. It is amazing. It's really good. Uh, Seth Rogen is a brewmaster for for a beer place, for a brewery. And his best friend growing up and now is Rose Byrne. They kind of reconnect and they kind of have a great time going on dumb adventures like you would when you're 21. Uh, Great show. Great show. I think it's still airing right now, but it's a wonderful series. Check that out, Platonic. Um, and of course, right now, everybody's really hyped up. If you haven't seen it, The Bear, Bear Season 2 is out. Uh, really great season. Everybody keeps telling me to check out The Bear. You know, and, and I need to do that. I haven't done it yet. It's like, again, just going through all the apps is making me crazy. It's like, when I was watching like Paramount, right? Um, uh, Rabbit Hole, that Kiefer Sutherland spy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got really into that. I got like halfway through, like, and but then like the app crapped out on me and I can't get it to work anymore. And okay. So it's a whole thing now where just like, and then I'm just like, ah, forget it. I'm not going to deal with the hassle anymore of doing that, and it, which stinks because I was really enjoying that show. Have you seen that one? I have not seen that one, but I love Kiefer and I know about it. I just haven't seen it. I, I was loving because it, it seemed very twisty turny and as long as you know but i can't tell yeah i mean i got like i said i got halfway through and then it kind of fell off for me but um it seems like something that could be awesome right right um two other things uh there is a netflix movie that came out last week called extraction two um and extraction yeah extraction yeah chris hemsworth uh they leaned into some great like very comedic stuff this time they are very aware and probably one of the coolest scenes in uh, in a movie in a while is in Extraction 2. The extraction at the beginning of the movie is a 22-minute action-packed scene with no cuts. And it is intensely brutal and amazing. Oh. Uh, it's really wonderful. Um, and then the other one, what is the other one? Oh, 
Um, the Curious Case of Natalia Grace, true con- true crime documentary on Discovery Plus or HBO Max. Um, and this is basically, so you know that horror movie that came out several years ago called uh, The Orphan? Um, yes. About a couple that adopts a young girl who turns out to be very much older and tries to kill them. That was based on a true story and based on this true crime doc where this uh, family adopts a six-year-old girl from um from oh shit ukraine and turns out she's not as young as she is and she's trying to kill them and it is amazing and what i like about this documentary just like that documentary on netflix at the height of the pandemic uh tiger king where you see tiger king joe king but then everybody else in the documentary is just as batshit crazy as he is if not more and there's a story behind all of them that's this documentary everybody involved is nuts uh and it's amazing the curious case of natalia grace look that up gonna have to look that up that's on netflix you said that one is on discovery plus slash i think hbo max god damn it all these apps (laughs) All these apps, but no, that one's worth it. It's like, it's five or six episodes and like, it just gets crazier and crazier and crazier. Uh, every, you, got me. you got me, you got me in. I'm, I'm, in. I'm pushing all in. Right, Whatever. right, right. It, 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 what, what's funny. I'll tell you how the first episode ends on a cliffhanger. Okay. No, no, don't, no, no don't do it. Okay. No, I won't. No spoilers. No spoilers. Uh, so yeah, that's what we're watching. That's what we're listening to. Go check out Wet Leg. Go check out that high voltage uh, song for- right now. Boom, boom. Already emailed it. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> so our our last little segment on this uh, comeback episode, getting the band back together of two legitimate, uh, the filtered signal. Uh, we kind of came up with this many years ago uh when, when it used to be called a diamond in the rough and that was when wade would come on to uh the show and write a piece on like a diamond in the rough this is a movie that kind of or a tv episode that out of all the stuff this is this is the gem that you're looking for and so it kind of came into the filtered signal and it's kind of like something we recommend that we really want you to see so wade wide what's your unfiltered signal pick well, it's separating the signal from the noise, right? Because there's tons of BS out there. And, and again, that's kind of where I was going with my uh, my music picks for it, just because it's like I want to kind of – that's what I've been really jamming out on lately is just kind of the uh, the wet leg and the high voltage by Electric 6. So those are probably two. Again, I'm going to circle back to it and just say, hey, check those out for sure. Okay, cool, cool, yeah. There you go. I am going, I know, I, hey, I'm so glad you're getting wet leg because I want everybody to go to wet leg because wet leg right now, you could probably see them for a, an inexpensive amount of money because they're they're blowing up and like they are going to be the top dog, I believe. And I hope so. They, they got they got the chops for sure to where it's, it's kind of one of the, like the vibe of the whole thing. And it's, it feels very like white stripes in the early nineties to me. And I don't mean it in the sense of like they sound like the white stripes, but it feels like there's kind of that vibe going where it's like, Oh, these, they got it. They're going to be a thing. They're going to be a thing. So if you get a chance to see them, see them wet leg and buy their album, they only have one album. So uh, for right now, they're really good. 
Uh, my filter signal pick, I don't know if you ever saw this, Wade, but I actually watched it for the first time last week. Um, and it's right up your alley, I feel like. So it's it's a 90s movie called Safe Men. Have you heard of it? Safe Men? Safe Men. I'm not sure. Okay. It's, it's not ringing a bell right now. So Safe Men is a movie that came out in 1998 and it was directed by John Hamburg. And so John, this was his first feature film he ever did. John Hamburg went on to do Meet the Parents, Zoolander, Along Came Polly, I Love You Man. So the guy is really steeped in comedy and really good stuff, right? Uh-huh. His first movie was called Safe Men and it's basically... It's very bottle rockety Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson, dry, dry humor. Uh -huh. The cast in it is something insane. So the cast in 1998 for Safe Men features Sam Rockwell, Steve Zahn, Paul Giamatti, Mark uh -huh. Ruffalo, Harvey Furstein, Michael Showalter, and Peter Dinklage. This sounds awesome. And so basically, uh, Sam Rockwell and Steve Zahn are a two-man band who are can only get gigs at like retirement homes. And they are mistaken, mistaken by a Jewish mafia guy in Rhode Island for being safe crackers and are forced to crack safes before his son's bar mitzvah. <laughs> the last 25 minutes of this movie takes place at this Jewish mafia son's bar mitzvah. And and think I, bottle rocket comedy like that dry amazing humor. Yeah. That's this movie. I I'm in. I am one hundred percent. You 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 got my number here. Where I'm absolutely going to be checking out Safe Men. Where where do we find it? Is it just is? Can I just go look around, or do you know? It's everywhere for rent or to buy. But okay. since you and I are you know hetero life mates. Um, you can use my Voodoo account and it's on there. No, we can't do that. There is no sharing anymore. There's a whole thing about it. Everybody's cracking down the goddamn corporate greed we were talking about at the top of the thing. It's like daddy Netflix want to make sure to keep everybody in line. But Voodoo has not done that yet. And so you can still use the Voodoo. So it's on there. And uh, I really think you're going to watch it. And I think you're going to, it's going to be one of those movies where you're going to like it. And then upon multiple viewings, it's going to be like, holy shit, this is genius, you know? And then the director, Hamburg, went on to make like, his next movie was Meet the Parents. And, you know, that made yeah. hundreds of millions of dollars and he cemented his career. But this, this was like the his Wes Anderson's bottle rocket, you know? And then he would rush more and Royal Tenenbaums, which really changed his style and comedy. But bottle yeah. rocket, it's so dry. Like you have to really pick up that comedy in there you know and that's this movie safe men i can't wait you can't so, wait <laughs> you're saying that too we're gonna have to mark it down on the list where we're gonna discuss wes anderson at one point because your love of him and i feel like i'm a sane person in a land full of crazy people that wes anderson stinks bottle rocket was amazing and then after that it all went to shit and it's like we can talk about that <laughs> at another time 
Okay, okay. So yes, I cannot believe I miss Safeman and knowing you and I in college watching all the stuff that we did when yeah. it was coming out, we this this skipped us. Well, and and again, it's like with that cast, it's like how did I how did this get by me? Right? Right. It's like those where it's like, you know, Sam Rockwell, he's in a ton of shit that's just so good. It's and and like you know, Moon, you know, go check out Moon. There, there's my filtered excellence. Go check out Moon if you haven't seen it. It's fantastic. Yeah. No, no, all these people, they're so young in this. And there's like all these people went on to win Oscars and Emmys and mm -hmm. become Marvel superheroes. And, you know, and it's like they're all in this like silly movie that it's just, wow, where did, like, why has it been lost? And I'm so glad I found it. I can't wait. Thank you. That's awesome. Great pick. Hell yeah, hell yeah. There you go. So we're back, babies. We're back. Wide and Brian for two legitimate. Very excited. We're eating crab chips. We're eating beast chocolate bars. What are we doing? Just well, you're eating I'm eating stale expired and Russian crab chips, and you're eating these nuts. But we're back. I guess like we did it. We're back. We'll see everybody again in what two years? Is that the plan? Yeah, two two more years. So see you in 2025. We'll have a new president by then. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> no, but seriously, we're gonna get back on the ball and do this a little bit more. This is so much fun. And it's like one of those we need to kind of get back on it. I, I hope everybody out there is doing great. It's like, you know, like times are weird, times are tough, but uh you know, got my buddy here to talk to. And I love here, love talking with you and, and having this experience. It's it's so good. And yes, great, great stuff. Wade, it's been wonderful. We'll be back next time. Wade, check him out. He's online sometimes. You know what? I'm just gonna give you his phone number. Text him anytime. Not my phone number. Just go to all the the boomstick comics and all of Brian's. We Brian's got so much media for the both of us. So Go check out Brian's stuff. All his writing's fantastic. If you want to know what's going on in pop culture, you want to know what's happening in the movies, music, he's the person that's wrestling, pro wrestling. Plus, this channel's expanding out. We're going to have more people coming in here that are going to be offering some better takes than what I'm bringing to the table. So check out some of that stuff, too. It's going to be great. Everything's actually going to be, we're on the right trajectory here where this whole thing's just going to take over the goddamn world. It's going to be good. An email Wade at W A A A D E. It's good. It's good. We're, we're two legitimate podcasts. We're glad you're here. Check us out or check me out on the other podcast, my bloody podcast, fear and loathing in cinema and no BS with Brian and Susan. Uh, and catch me at high def digest.com boomstick Brian Kluger, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, you porn. Check me out.